Tommy Kerr from NBC Sports Boston in the house on what has been a big Wednesday down here at Gillette. Mac Jones is starting. I can't confirm. Reports first from ESPN's Field Yates, but not after a full midday where you and Bill went back and forth. It felt like the old days. This is your first Wednesday presser of the season? Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah, it is. Because, listen, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday are my my very, very, very busy days. And the locker room doesn't open till 4, and we don't finish TV until like 7.30. And we start our stuff in the morning, like nine with the emails. So part of me is like, I'm not hustling my ass down there to watch four shrugs and nine mouth, you know, throat clears and then head out and have to sit there for the next eight hours. So I, I have been skipping the the, the noon press conferences. Yeah. yeah. Well, but this one I had to be at. Oh, yeah. Now, because you've been in so many hours for so many years, we're going to go rapid fire today. The traditional preview format out the window. We've got semi-rapid fire down to rapid fire. And you do a segment with players at weekly basis, right? In quick slants. Yeah. So you had Kyle Duggar on this week. I'm going to have you on for some irrelevant questions to wrap this up. But first, as promised, semi-rapid fire questions, part of the quarterback stuff, and then on to the Jets. So quarterback situation. Mac is going to start mm-hmm. Sunday. Monday, it was a rotation that didn't really finish as a rotation because he just pulled it out set. But when you look at Sunday, that's going to be five weeks since the injury. Mm-hmm. Was Monday's loss just kind of a speed bump to where we were always headed, where if you have a high ankle sprain, it's four to six weeks. And you know what number falls between four and six is five. And that's going to be this weekend. Yeah. And I think Monday was a fairly significant speed bump, though. I think that it was more like banging the car up against the side of a building. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, we went back and forth on our podcast. I know that you kind of co-signed on my point that I agree with the notion that Mac must have somehow convinced Bill that, can we get out there? Can I get out there? I feel fine. I'm practicing. It'll be good for the guys. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? And I really do believe that Bill said, all right, we'll we'll do it. And we're going to split it. And and Zappi's going to come in. That being the case, I'm sure that Bill has regrets because he did pull the pin on a grenade. And if we felt that, and I know this isn't a very rapid answer. If we felt that that wasn't the case, that he wasn't just appeasing him, I wonder if that got dispelled today. Because when I asked Bill about Mac and his improvement that Bill cited and why he hasn't improved the way he did, Bill's like, he was gone for three weeks. I mean, Bill's basically chalking it up, his performance to rust. So if he's chalking it up in hindsight to rust, he must have presumed he was going to suck a little bit on Wednesday. Yeah. You with me on that? Or am I talking? No, about I, I co-signed on the whole point. We still have a minute here. Semi-rapid fire is going to be two minutes. We get the rapid fire. That's one and we got to get out of there. Okay. But I think the point stands because clearly he wasn't a hundred percent, you know, when it was not health was a factor, but didn't deem it, you know, a person, a performance related decision to pull him. It just in Bill's mind, the time to put him back in never arose because the game was already over. I would argue he probably should have started coming out at halftime and we don't need to relitigate Monday, but it was just a plan that I think he didn't account for in the rare instance of all the different ways it could go wrong. And the one way it went wrong was pretty much every single possible way. Mm-hmm. But as far as it went, like that was Bill's decision. He might've had some nudging, but like, he's going to be the only guy to push him across the finish line or something like that. In his autobiography, somewhere down the line that comes out in the next 10 to 12 years, that will be one that he says, you know, I wish I could have had that one back. Now I wonder what the Malcolm Butler discussion will be or any other number of times that Bill's pulled the pin on the grenade we know of all the times he was correct he's going to the hall of fame but there's times where he makes a risky call 
and it doesn't go his way. And I think Monday was a shining example of it. And I think he's digging out from it right now. Well, let's go right into number two. Restart the clock here. Two minutes on this. Does Bill think he made a mistake? It sounds like yes. I think he does okay. believe that he could have done it. The same way he says, got to coach it better. I think that he would look at this in hindsight and say, what benefit, how is it good for the team that I put the player that many of our veterans look up to, admire, think highly of, who is one of our better workers, and put him in a situation where the entire stadium turned against him. When I put him out there, when I knew he was rusty, which I basically acknowledged three days later. Right. How could that be good for my team? So, yeah, I think in hindsight, he's saying it was a mistake. And I do think, too, that, you know, having whether it would be Bill or someone within the organization, tell Field Yates, Mac's going to be the starter and doing it now is further admission that the shit's gone on long enough. Yeah. And I think that report coming out too probably followed his, you know, announcement in the team meeting <clears throat> 8 a.m. every Wednesday. And I said this in my last episode, I think he goes in front of there and says, look, Mac's going to be the starter, whether or not that comes out today or later on the week, wasn't sure. But the second part is I made a mistake. Because he'll own that in front of the team mm -hmm. meeting when he's pointing out everyone else's mistakes up there very famously on film. And to me, the, the part about it that was a mistake was the half measure. Like, he's not one to go half in on we want to start Mac and do what's best for this Monday because you're only pulling him to prevent injury, which will hurt the rest of the season. The rest of the season is more important than Monday. But when you only go halfway in, you lower your chances of winning, which then put more emphasis in the rest of the season. So either go all in with Mac against the Bears or don't. And when you get caught in the middle – like that's when the worst case scenario kind of got bited in. I yeah. think that was it. I mean, if it's okay to to do a walk around front against Drew Bledsoe where there's no down lineman, and it's oh, I've never seen anything like this before. This is genius. There's not a level of genius when you're putting a starting quarterback in who's a second year player who seems to be your quarterback of the future and tell him you're going to get three series and and then you're coming out regardless of how good or bad you look. Got to restart the clock. An, that's an unconventional. Uh, you that's, agree that's though? an unconventional, a bad unconventional. You think he admitted in front of the team meeting that's on no. me? We're moving forward. No, hundred percent, no. I don't. Wow. But I thought you were reporting it. That's why I didn't push back. No, okay. Uh, number three, what do you expect from Mac on Sunday? I expect Mac to be absolutely friggin' delighted that they're playing in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, I expect and trust, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, and keep getting it stuffed back in my face. But I expect that the Mac Jones that we came to report on coming into the league, that he proved himself to be throughout 2021 and winning the job, that he proved himself to be throughout the bulk of 2021 and including the playoff game, I expect that guy's still there. Am I Charlie Brown waiting for the Great Pumpkin to show back up? I expect Mac Jones to have a uh, an 18 for 26 for 204 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick that goes off the uh, shoulder pad of Tyquan Thornton, and a Patriots 29-19 uh, win. That's what I expect. I'm with you. I think he didn't shake all the rest mm -hmm. off naturally against the Bears on Monday. That was too short, and it obviously ended a bad mistake. But I think he'll be 75 to 80% of the Mac that we saw. And then I think he's going to carve up the Colts like they've never been carved up before because that's a simple, straightforward scheme. The Bears, like Matt Eberflos' defense did last year against Indianapolis, a lot of disguised coverage. He's coming back. Like, just a good, perfect storm of you're going to screw up and stumble into this. 
The Jets, they dropped 54 points on last time they saw them. And yeah, they're better in Belichick talks are improved in every single area, but I see a way in which it's a fairly straightforward defense. You're not throwing at Sauce Gardner. We can probably win a couple times with Hunter Henry, and we're going to try to run the ball. But like the offense has found itself without him. It's just a matter of how you get him back in. And I think Sunday's going to be a good opportunity to do that. Because eventually, like you're right, he has to come back to the surface, some sort of positive regression here. Same. We'll save seconds here. Next. All right. So last one, two-minute semi-rapid uh, fire. What do we learn about the offense? I just said they kind of found themselves. I thought Matt Patricia got much better at Green Bay, Detroit, Cleveland. Monday was a stinker. Stinkers happen. But what else did we learn? We learned that they have a running game that we didn't presume that they were going to have in the summertime when they were mightily struggling to get anything going on the ground. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch some of those training camp practices. But I thought it started to crystallize against the Steelers when they had the six-minute drive. Or excuse me, with 6.33 left in the game, they took over, and they grounded out with wide runs and inside runs both. So I think they figured something out there. They've unveiled their tight ends a little bit in the last couple of weeks. What's hard to really interpret is what's real because of the opponents. Mm. You know, Green Bay, you go into Green Bay and you have the success you do, and you're like, hey. <laughs> and then it turns out, do they suck? You beat down the Lions, even though the Lions had been what they were previously, and you still put an asterisk next to that. You think Cleveland's going to be a competitive team um, with you, and they take an ass beating. And then you get an ass beating from one of the worst teams in football. So there, there does seem to be the foundation of an identity that they're building. But I don't think that they yet can walk off the bus and say, this is what we are, come and stop us. Right. And have full confidence in it. Yeah, I think they learned that there's enough here. You know, the conversation yes. was just so incredibly toxic and negative, and I think deserved. No one goes and says, my first pick for offensive play caller and de facto coordinator is Matt Patricia. Why would you? But I think they've proven enough that, A, there's been progress, which would indicate there could be more to come. But the adjustments, and you mentioned that last drive against Pittsburgh, you don't win running out the clock 633 against a good front unless you're keeping them off balance. And I detail the adjustments they made in that game, the adjustments he made coming out of a timeout to get those run free, those, those runs and those runs free. But it was just, I think with Patricia, there's a higher ceiling than we expected. It's just, he's still going to have to prove it because the game's only get more important. And what I'm finding is Matt is ahead of where we anticipated he would be as a play caller, but it's that player development that I think that Max specifically is suffering from. It's good. He's able to go down the menu and pick the, the tasty morsels and have them run it. But it's still key to develop a guy, and that's what Josh was doing, and that's what uh, – not Mick Lombardi, but who was the quarterback's coach with him? It wasn't Mick. Bo Hardigree was – Bo Hardigree. Yeah. And Jed Fish the year before. Right. To a degree, which he was not here for Jed Fish. We relaxed, Tom. We go all the back, way back to 2001. Well, there's no time to relax because we're at rapid fire. Question number five. These are one minute or less. Hey, guys. Just a quick break from a football podcast to remind you, basketball is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores, plus giveaways, free giveaways all season long. You can always find the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, including the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Yes, yes, they're still playing golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50. Again, that's CLNS50 
to receive your rewards at BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, this is pretty simple. If the Patriots win Sunday, and they're still a point and a half favorites in most places, it will be because, like... Zach Wilson plays like the Zach Wilson we presume he is. You know, he's played really well. He's had some good moments. He had good moments at the end of last year in some games. But if the Patriots win, it will be because, will be because defensively, that's kind of their identity. Stop teams, score, grind out a game, put it in the bank. I agree. I was going to go Zach Wilson becomes the pumpkin we all expect because Belichick today was asked, you know, what kind of growth have you seen from him? And it's like, yeah. oh, he's playing well, but. You'd have to ask them like, I'm pretty sure the tape available to you of Zach Wilson is the same available to the Jets. But the point stands. I mean, his comments last year in their first game were the impetus for me saying, I think whenever Belichick says a guy can make all the throws, he thinks he sucks. Because if if the ceiling of the compliments stop there and he doesn't talk about accuracy or decision making or the things that make Brady, Rodgers, you know, everyone, et cetera, special, like he doesn't care about that. So I will pivot, though, and just say if they get three explosive passing plays, where they don't have to go down the field and stumble into a potential mistake or penalty and just make it easy on themselves. Tyke one Thornton, maybe Kendrick Moore comes back. I think they get out of the win. I think they should win. Yeah, I should. But, uh, it's, but it's three and four against five and two. We are still clinging to the idea that they're the Patriots, and the Jets are the Jets. And I'm not sure that's the case. Well, if they lose, because it will be. It will be because they turn the ball over and they get beaten on special teams. It's because they be. talk like I just did, mixing and jumping no, it, my it, words. It won't, be, it won't be because defensively they can't stop the Jets. They, because we, they have proven they can stop running games. They have proven they can stop adequate passing games. They can't stop a running quarterback. Yeah, They're not going to get outsmarted by Zach Wilson. So if they lose the game, it will because, be because of um, offensive malpractice. And offensive malpractice is going to happen because of the doctor, not because of the x-ray. What does that mean? Well, it means Max the doctor, and it means he did something with the scalpel in there. Glad you explained that one. <laughs> I, I think for me, if they get down by double digits in the first half, this might be over. Like, I think Mac has the capacity to bring them back, but then you're banking on some sort of big special teams play or defensively. And the Jets, are, are they're five and two because their roster talent is elevating the quarterback. It's not the vice versa. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, you can rely on their running game. They just got James Robinson from Jacksonville. Offensive linesman, eh, fine, but their pass rush is good and their coverage is even better. That'll spell trouble if the Patriots fall behind uh, big and early. What's uh, one matchup you're looking at? Non-quarterback category. Spent a lot of time on quarterbacks. Restart the clock. One minute. Non-quarterback matchup. Where does Quinn and Williams generally line up on the defensive line? Interior? Interior. Oh, yeah. All right. So whether it's going to be strange Ferentz if Andrews is down, and we know Andrews was not able to practice on Wednesday. Yeah, it looks like he'll be out. Um, on over to Mike and Winner. So who are you dealing with? And Quinn and Williams has been a game wrecker. And he can gum up a running game. So behind him, C.J. Mosley. So those will be the big ones. I think you look to it, um, Ahmad Gardner, but I don't know if they're a cover three team the way a lot of the Niners. Um, They'll play some man in some quarters in there, so it gets to be one-on-one. So, But I would stick with Quinn and Williams, take the best player on their team and say, okay, how much damage can he wreak on your team? Yeah, I think that's good. I think they might pick on um, C.J. Mosley there in the middle. Been super productive, but I think you look to get Ramondre Stevenson one-on-one. The Jets have trusted Mosley to handle a lot of those one-on-ones. They generally don't okay against running backs, but I think you're going to need to get points and yards out of your running backs and tight ends. Maybe a Hunter Henry bounce forward game or back. I don't know. He's just kind of admired in this like weird range, and this feels like a game that he needs to break out. Can, watch this, rapid fire from me. Can Ramondre Stevenson be as good as Ezekiel Elliott? Bigger, 
pass catching back who runs with elusiveness and lateral quickness. It feels like he's got a little more wiggle and a little less power to him. You know what I mean? Or his, his, he's incredibly light they at are, his feet. They are the same, virtually the same dimensions. I know. I'd love to see the Consulted. combine numbers side to side. That's going to stop me for a long time. Wow. That's the only comp I could come to. Uh, Matt Castle compared Ramondre Stevenson to Arian Foster, who was a walking five-yard gain every time he got the ball, and he just cruised to five yards. Remember how good he was? Yeah. Just they give him a pitch with Houston, and just he would just cruise to five yards every single snap. What do you think about Jamal Lewis? Well, he was a violent guy. Runner. I don't know what kind of a guy he was. Uh, this is quicker. We'll do 30 seconds on this. Is this a must-win game for them? No such thing. No such thing until you're uh, mathematically eliminated. I'm with you. But as far as – I'm closer to saying yes than I thought it would be when I thought of this question on my own and had a one-on-one conversation. Um, but I think as far as their deep playoff run goes, I'm not doing the win-loss, win-loss game. It's just you go three and five and to come all the way back with two games against See, the Bills left. W- I it's, wasn't, it's I, but I never presumed a deep playoff run. They are, they are, a, say, they are a happy to be their playoff team, in yes. my estimation. I had, I had them as an eight and nineteen. Mm-hmm. So if your aspiration is to win one game in the playoffs, I think this can dent their psyche. I think that you know, I, I asked Matt Slater about the psyche of Matt uh, Mac Jones. Uh, I'm screwing up your timing about the psyche of Mac Jones earlier today after getting booed by sixty eight thousand Boston fans, mm-hmm. and he you know, alluded to the fact that there's a possibility that I think losing to the Jets after losing Monday night to the Bears. Hey, how'd the beginning of the season go? Well, the Patriots lost to the Bears and the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. And who else did they lose to? And the Packers. That one's excuse yeah, the, Ravens, the other yeah. ones, you'd have a hard time digesting that. If Yeah, three and five at that point. Three September. and five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Irrelevant questions as promised at the beginning. These are non-football related, all about Tom. Halloween coming up. Best costume you ever wore. Oh, wow. Um, I was, uh, still a lot of ones that I can't really repeat. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I have like three, but uh, a piece of broccoli. What? When I was a kid, I was a piece of broccoli. Just because it scared you? Were you a non-veggies no, kid? I just wanted to be you know, ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I'm broccoli. All right, you're a weird kid. All right, worst date you ever went on, or worst date idea you had. This will go well, and then it didn't. Can I reconfigure that? Sure. I used to work for the lawn company on the Cape. It's a lawn care company, like a chem lawn. I didn't have very much money. It was like after I was out of college and I hadn't gotten a job, not like I was getting rich there. But And my wife and I were dating and we went to the Poppinesset Inn and I didn't have enough money. And I had to go to, um, when the bill came, I, I had nowhere near enough money and I had to go down to the Mashpee Rotary to try and take money out on my discover card and a cash advance and that didn't work and i had to go back and she had to pay for the dinner <laughs> and it was yeah so i don't remember really very many bad dates because i was always happy to be on any kind of a date any date at all was a good date for me that got me sad for a minute but you guys are still you're obviously you're married so yeah that's where no yeah they, they went yeah fun. three kids yeah excellent 30 almost 30 years did you ever bring that up yeah no, we're talking about her yeah yeah we're talking about it a couple weeks ago <laughs> nice work thanks uh favorite belichick cliche Nobody works harder. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a tracker. Nobody works harder than than him. First one here, last one out. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, also, he had one in 2001 that was my favorite. wasn't really a cliche, but his favorite saying was, the strength of the wolf is in the pack. 
And it was such an apt description of that 2001 mm. team. And I, I think it was just really inspired. You think of lone wolves and people by themselves, but that Patriots team in 2001 was comprised of cast ops and never wers and a few will be's, but basically the strength of that team was the group together. That's interesting. Cause I could not envision or imagine him saying that now, like I have a hard time conjuring him at the podium as I've been sitting in that room for now five years and hearing a saying like that. I went and found his press conference from the week of Brady and, and uh, it was the week of the Rams game in 2001. Cause I remember somebody was asking him about how the outside noise <clears throat> and he said, well, I mean, yeah, all right, we're going to pull everybody. We're going to pull yeah. the fourth graders. We're going to pull the barbers. And I linked to the press conference and the press conference went on and on and on and on. And you could see by the questions were being asked. And I think I could see a few of mine, but everybody would, it was just an open season to ask whatever you wanted. Cause there were no cameras. Mm. There was no simulcast. There was no streaming. There was no radio. So it was more of a free-for-all conversation, and people weren't worried about being embarrassed or blown up, and Belichick wasn't in the unblowing people upstage as much then as he is now. That's interesting. Yeah, That makes me want to go read a lot of those transcripts, considering it was just a wide-open conversation. Yeah. Cool. Last one. Uh, You got any controversial food opinions? Talk about getting dunked on. I feel like that's one thing on Twitter. Like, kid from Kentucky, Will Levis, puts uh, mayonnaise in his coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And now I think his draft stock is falling because of that. Um, Kidding. I have a a, kind of an ornate coffee order. It's a large hot coconut um, milk and three Splenda. used to be large hot coconut milk, three Splenda and three ice cubes to take the edge off it. Mm. I don't think that's really controversial. I don't like fish of any kind. I don't like chowder. Um, Cosine on the chowder. I don't know if I've ever eaten lobster. I've never been to Nantucket. The only time I've been to Martha's Vineyard was uh, for my kids' basketball games. Kind of a Luddite. <laughs> now we're doing geography. Yeah, no, it's all of it, yeah. Well, I mean, just shit I don't do. Yeah. So those foods, uh, I still, oh, okay, you know what? I still will eat happily, happily. I'll eat a bologna and cheese with mustard sandwich on white bread and a shit ton of Cheetos and a Coke. And I'm going to be 55 soon. And I think that that's a good lunch. I eat like a fifth grader. And your wife looks at you and goes, I bought dinner for this guy in Mashpee when he ran out of money. And now he's eating bologna and mustard sandwiches. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. I think I stop at, uh, I'll eat lunch meat out of the bag on occasion. Scared the hell out of one roommate. But like, if I'm going to have a turkey and cheese sandwich and I'm just hungry as hell and it's just mine, I'll just go straight into the plastic. But you just roll. Yeah. You take it out. Which to me is then, yeah, I take it out of the plastic. I'm not taking a hunk and, you know, swallowing all that. But as far as like, you just roll it up and put it on a wooden plate, it's charcuterie. So why don't I just eat it as is? But don't you put it on a paper plate and roll some cheese, roll it around some cheese? Nah. Yeah. I like pastrami like that though. Oh, like, but I like cold pastrami. Yeah, no problem with that. Though I might not be. I'm a chocolate snob too. Oh, we're learning a lot here at the end. I won't eat Hershey's. (laughs) These might have been the most relevant questions of the whole pod. Has to be Dove or Godiva or shit like that. Now, Wint, once you start eating that stuff, you got to stick with it. One of those, I think, is owned by Hershey's. They just dress it up as a different kind of fancier brand. I think it's Godiva. Well, I'm a Dove guy. Oh, okay. What if it's Dove? It's not Dove. Their chocolate's too good. (laughs) All right, that'll do it. Tommy Kern, read him, watch him, listen to him. Always appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, buddy.